This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Great to have you guys back again for another show. We've got a lot to get to today. Um, Chip Scoggins will join me here in just a little bit, Star Tribune columnist, to talk through mostly the Byron Buxton news on the on the injured list with that uh, with that hip. It sounds like it's a mild strain is what they're calling it, but uh, if you have to go on the injured list, that's not great for the Twins. So just kind of the impact there, Chip's thoughts on that, and a little bit of Vikings talk with Chip as well. Um, speaking of Vikings talk, Nick Mullins, new quarterback competitor, who we all presume will take over as the backup quarterback, wouldn't probably make a trade, even if it's a minor trade, wouldn't make a trade that deep in training camp if you didn't think that he could be your number two quarterback ahead of Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond. He was at camp on uh, at practice on Tuesday and uh, talked with the media afterwards, so we'll play a little clip of that and talk through that a little bit. And got to get to some state fair stuff, because I'll be out there a few different times uh, with some of my colleagues, with some uh, with some folks uh, around the uh, around the Twin Cities sports scene. So I'll give you a rundown of where and when you can find me at the fair, which starts tomorrow. It doesn't feel possible, does it? But the fair does start tomorrow, and that first appearance for me is tomorrow. But first, what did I miss? Twins lose 4-2 to Houston. Made it interesting at the end, and the game was already plenty interesting with a lot of subplots and twists. Twins were getting shut out 4 nothing going into the ninth, but got a couple runs and had the bases loaded uh, before Jake Cave struck out to end the game. Again, right there, showing you some of that lack of outfield depth. You know, No offense to Jake Cave, but I don't know if that's exactly the person you want up in that situation. But when you're already down Byron Buxton, when you're already down Alex Kirilov, when you're down Trevor Larnick, uh, when Nick Gordon has left the game because of dizziness, your options are a little bit limited. So they come up short in that game, drop another game in the standings, now three behind Cleveland and have now lost four straight games, haven't beat the Astros all year long. Game was also notable, of course, for the return of Carlos Correa to Houston, and he happened to break up the no-hit bid. Justin Verlander pitched pitched six hitless innings, then lifted, and Carlos Correa breaks up any combined no-hitter effort in the seventh inning by getting a hit. And like I said, the Twins got uh, got themselves a little bit closer in the end, but ended up losing. Bigger takeaway from this game, though, tensions boiling over in the fifth inning. Rocco Baldelli ejected for the second time this month, for the fourth time this season. And that's notable to me because Rocco kind of had this uh, kind of zen, mild-mannered, um, chill vibe going for the early part of his Twins managerial career. You know, 2019, he was only ejected twice all season. Twins won 101 games that year. The short year in 2020, only ejected once. Last year, ejected three times. That was a frustrating season. This year, ejected four times already in 121 games. So, you know, six ejections in three seasons before this one, four already this year, including those two this month, including the one, you know, the last one with the uh, with the blocked home plate call going off on umpires afterwards. And this one didn't like the explanation he got. Basically, the, he was charged with a mound visit in the fifth inning after benches cleared and he came out to, uh, to, to check on 
um, Aaron Sanchez, his pitcher, to make sure everything was okay, charged with a mound visit so that the next time uh, in that inning when when pitching coach came out to, uh, to, to visit with Sanchez, they had to remove Sanchez from the game. Um, so Rocco Badelli afterwards talked a little bit about the frustration of that moment and what happens. So let's take a listen to that. Obviously, there was a, a visit uh, given um, during a bench clearing incident. And uh, at the moment when I'm out there, uh, after the second time that, um, you know, our guy and their guy started uh, talking to each other, um, the second time that happened, uh, I decided to stay out there to make sure that everything was calm. And on the way off the field, I looked for uh, Sanchez just so I could go to him and say, are you fine? And looking for him to say yes. And I say, okay. And I walk back to the dugout. When I looked up to see him, he had walked a little ways away and went back to the mound. On the way back to the dugout, I just walked over to him and said, are you fine? He said, yes. I walked away. Um, Pretty straightforward. And... uh, as that inning got going, um, or after a few more pitches, I, I asked Pete uh, Mackey to go out there and make sure he was, uh, uh, you know, lined up to get the next guy out. And when he went out there, we were alerted that there was a, a visit given to me during a bench clearing incident. So I didn't agree with it. I didn't like that it was given in the first place, but I really didn't like the um, lack of communication on a really unusual play. I think he was right to be frustrated in this case, but I think the the bigger picture to this is this has been a frustrating month, and we're starting to see some more emotion, some more evidence of that frustration from the Twins manager. If he had been, you know, more mild-mannered before, if he had been more of, like I said, kind of that uh, that even-keeled guy who was just going to kind of ride things out and uh, you know not get too high, not get too low. Uh, he's he's gotten he's gotten low a few times this month, and you know probably showing the uh, the wear and tear of a season that's had a lot of ups and downs. So watch for that the rest of the way. See if if that if that storyline continues, or if uh, you know, or or if he if he re- kind of returns to being more of that mild mannered rocker. I don't mind it to be honest, but uh, I think it is interesting a departure from what we had seen from Rockwell Deli in his first three seasons. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, pre-mixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. Good to have Chip Scoggins back on Daily Delivery, Star Tribune columnist, of course. Uh, Chip, we should be doing a state fair thing next week, I believe, on Tuesday. You've got a book out with Patrick Royce. Um, congrats on that. Glad to see that uh, hitting uh, hitting the bookshelves and sellers near you, huh? Yes, it's finally out. <clears throat> we had a little bit of delay, just uh, <clears throat> unavoidable kind of pandemic, you know, uh, slowing things down. But uh People are finally starting to get it in their mailboxes and front porches, and I think it'll be in bookstores here uh, maybe this week, pretty soon. But, yeah, we're going to be at the fair on, what, Tuesday, August 30th yeah, at 11 a.m.? Yep. So if you, want you, if you want your book signed by Patrick, he will be there to sign them, and I think you're going to 
host a Q&A maybe yep. for a few minutes just to talk about it. So, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's fun to finally see it kind of come to fruition. Speaking of coming to fruition, Chip, um, twins this season. I want to talk mostly about the twins today with you, maybe get a little Vikings talk as well. But we were talking before we even started recording about how kind of frustrating this year's team has been it's I don't I don't know quite what the parallel is I was as I was trying to think about it it's not it's not like the it's not like the Jimmy Butler Timberwolves year where it just felt like they were grinding and it wasn't any fun the whole way because I think this team does have some likable components to it and it hasn't felt like a joyless kind of thing like that but this is a team that's been either in first place or in contention for the vast majority of the summer. And yet they just, it feels like they just can't get much traction. It's like something happens. Somebody gets hurt. There's frustrating decisions. There's walk-off losses. And now the latest is another injury for Byron Buxton has to leave Monday night's game uh, against the Rangers with what they're calling hip soreness. And even though they would, you know, optimistically like to think of this as a, you know, a day-to-day kind of thing, um, you know, Rocco Ballelli did not seem terribly, uh, you know, optimistic about where this was at this point. Uh, where are you at with with kind of how how this injury is being characterized and kind of this team in general? Yeah, the, well, the, <clears throat> we'll start with Buxton. Yeah. In fact, he's having an MRI and that Rocco basically sprung the hip thing out of nowhere last night yeah. after the game. We all, we've all known about the knee. Right. But but to say, oh, yeah, he's been dealing with this hip injury all season privately. For him to uh, say that now tells you what well, it leads me to believe that they're on the verge of maybe shutting him down for a while. Because um, if his knee is bad and his hip's bad, you you have this money tied up and you do not want to risk anything long term. And, uh, you know, obviously their doctors have known about this and been treating it. But. It's just, I, I, you know, with Buxton, it just never ends. And I, I feel bad for the guy because we saw in April and May what kind of player he is when he is healthy. But I just don't know that he's ever going to be healthy. And I've been thinking about this with his knee, and no one has really raised the point. Is, is this a chronic thing? I right. mean, is this something that's going to need surgery after the season? Or is this something he's just going to deal with for the rest of his career? Or how does this get better? <laughs> I guess that's my point. I mean, does rest make it better? Because right. – um, is clearly impacting how much he can play, whether he's DHing the days off. Uh, to hear Rocco talk about it, that you know, he's basically fighting through a lot of things just to get on the field. It's like that's not what you want from Bucks and having to fight through hip and knee injuries just to be able to play. You want him to be at his best and be one of the best players in the game. So, um, I mean, you don't want to sh- have to shut down your best player um, when you're fighting for a, you know, a division title. But, you know, I, I wonder how much that's impacting his hitting because he's basically become feast or famine home run or nothing, yes. you know, I mean, he's just become a, the strikeouts are alarming. You had the great stat about his hitting with runners and scoring position. I couldn't believe that. Just, I, I couldn't either. But, th- but then when you sit and think about it, it's like, yeah, when's the last time he's had a big timely hit? I mean, right. Heck, the only guy that really gets a timely hit anymore is Miranda. I know. <laughs> and arise, you know. I mean, right. So, so the, the Buxton thing is, I would say, very concerning. But to your first point about this team, is you know, we were talking about it's like 
even when they were winning, I think the fan base was frustrated with this team. And I don't know if it's because of the way they handled the pitching staff. Um, uh, you know, some of the just bad losses they've had. There's just been such wild swings between the highs and lows here that they'll win four games and then just have a couple clunkers that are, you know, right. The Pagan thing has made people mad um, continuously. <laughs> um, the bullpen infuriates. What is there a thing in baseball that infuriates a, a fan base more than a bullpen that falls apart? It seems like that no, is the that's, one. that's it. Cause <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, you think you're, you think the win is secured in some way. And, you know, for a long time, people were, you know, people have been got pretty spoiled because, you know, in the, when the teams were good in the two, you know, in the, in the, in the two thousands, you had, you know, largely Joe Nathan, you know, Joe locking Nathan, yeah. down a lot of those games. And before that, Eddie Guardado was, making things interesting, but usually coming away with, with the save yeah. in, in those games. And you had Glenn Perkins for a few years, even in the kind of the down years, but yeah, then now Taylor Rogers was pretty reliable for a while. They just haven't had, you know, no. even the bullpen has been better lately there. They've, they've given away so many games where you thought they were going to win this year that it, that it has been frustrating. But, but, but the point with Buxton is just like, this isn't normal. Like no. someone shouldn't have to fight so hard just to get, on the field and you know it just it, it feels strange that they kind of sprung the hip on us now and saying he's been dealing with it all year and that some of the stuff like the large majority of whatever he's been dealing with they haven't even told us about um it doesn't feel like they're doing him many favors if, if they're doing that maybe they're kind of they're maybe they're in this kind of weird spot where it's like he has such an injury history that if you say so much about the injuries then people are like well here we go again with Buxton. but if you don't say anything about it then it just looks like he's having a lousy three month stretch. Well, that's what it is. I mean, the fans are just so conditioned that, you know, if he, you know, falls down, you see it on Twitter. I mean, it just lights up always, you know, out for, you know, two months or whatever. So fans are just, um, they're sort of just conditioned to this, that Boston's right. going to be. And, and I think we, should, at this point, you have to be, you just have to say, this is what his career is going to be. Flashes of brilliance and flashes when he's, you know, either injured or just not can't play because he's uh, dealing with something. And, and it's just been too much evidence of it. And again, I blame him, you know, players can't handle or they can't, you know, it's not their fault to get injured, but I, if I, you know, the, the timing of it, and maybe he just did more damage to it last night that maybe Rockwell, he, he stole a, he stole a base in the first inning. I mean, yeah, maybe Rockwell had happened. to come out and just and say, yeah, that's the thing is, but again, I go back to like, what is the end game here? How are they going to yeah. fix this? Is it surgery? Well, is it? And is the is, hip? I mean, the hip got him out for a while last year too. Is this something related? Is the knee related to the hip? Because when you're favoring the knee, you start yeah. doing something to the hip. Is the hip some kind of chronic thing? I mean, and at, you know, if you're talking about flashes of brilliance and then flashes of not being able to play at all or not being as effective, like, how do you build around that? How do you? Well, how do you? construct a contending team when you know at any moment one of your best players might be out for a long amount of time just because of the history well and that's the problem i remember the day before this season started uh someone asked buxton if you're healthy um how good you can be how much damage can you do and he said a lot and we saw that i mean at april may you're thinking oh it was rocco you're seeing the best player on the planet you know but it just never feels like it's going to be sustainable. Right. 
because of these injuries. And so how do you build around that? I, I, I don't know. Cause I, he's obviously one of your best players when healthy, but you also have to just factor in the, there's going to be stretches where he's not healthy and not producing and, and the, you know, let's, let's talk about his hitting and his approach. I mean, the home runs are great, but the strikeouts are way up. Um, yeah. He's always been a, a pretty high strikeout guy, but um, what's his average now? It's like two twenty. I mean, he's been he's yeah. he's been Miguel Sano this year, like a good yeah. like like what you know, kind of the all or nothing approach. Obviously, much greater impact on defense, all that sure. stuff. Sure, but it's speed, a play, but yeah. In terms of his pure like power, you know, all or nothing approach, he's been Miguel Sano at the plate. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it's home run or strikeout now, and, and nothing really in between. And so, I mean, that's a problem. <laughs> this yeah. is a problem. So, again, I don't know how much what we don't know is how much these injuries are affecting him at the plate. Right. Um, in his approach and, 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 but, um, it just adds to the, the frustration of the season. And, and, yeah. um, you just feel like this thing is, I mean, when you look at it, they've been bad for a while now, or yeah. just a, they've been an average team an yeah. average, the bad team, you know? And after that, that start they had, which is probably fools go a little bit. Yeah. But even you're playing in a bad division. Yeah, <laughs> you know, th- I think that's part of the frustration too. Is like this division was there to be had, and for myriad reasons, uh, they've they've shot themselves in the foot. And it's felt a few different points this year, like it was slipping away. But if if Buxton's out for any extended period of time, and they're not going to have Malley at least for you know a handful of of days here, as they kind of shut him down to see if the shoulder gets better, and they're entering a stretch where. You know, they're playing the Astros right now. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you know, the Giants and the Red Sox, who are not great teams, but they're not terrible teams. They're 500 teams. Those are yeah. com- those are competitive teams. Those are teams that are about... They're not the like, Royals. Those are about yeah. like the Twins. Yeah, it's not the Royals and the Tigers anymore. And then you got, I think, the Yankees, the White Sox. Yeah. I mean, they're entering a stretch now where they're playing some better competition and they're not at full strength. And they weren't even at full strength before this Buxton stuff and even before the Mally stuff. I mean, they've been down pitchers. They've been down outfielders for a long time. Like this just feels to me, I think Megan Ryan kind of encapsulated this in her game story Tuesday morning. Like this kind of feels like it's, this could be the thing that kind of pushes them over the edge and they're just not going to be able to overcome this. If, if it's as serious as it sounds like it could be. Well, it is. Yeah. And if, if you're missing Buxton um, as bad as he's hitting with, you know, in, in clutch situations, he, he still can run into a home run, you know, yes. and he's doing that. But, you know, it's funny. When I looked at this lineup at the beginning of the season, we all talked about the pitching. It's like, oh, boy, they don't have enough pitching. But Lyon's going to be pretty good, right? right. They're going to be able to hit. Lyon's terrible right now. I, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, Kepler's not hitting. Polanco's having an off year. Correa's having an off year. Um, you know, Buxton's become a strikeout machine. He's Easter famine. And so it's like, you basically trust two guys at this point, Arise and Miranda. Well, right. that's, that's no. not good. No, that's, that's not, not good. Like, um, and so now that was the one thing is like, you felt like even if they're pitching, you know, was faltering, you felt like they could maybe score some rounds, but this lineup has been shut out 12 times, right? Yeah. That's, I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> it's like they're, they're, the lineup is feast or famine. And it's like, because they're still like, like 10th and batting average 10th and run scored in the majors. Like they're like relative to the league, they're doing okay, but it is, it's like, it's almost like this, the frustration shouldn't be as great because, you know, they, they have accomplished something. They are still in this race. They they've won more than they've lost this year. It just, it feels yeah. like 
for whatever reason, the the wins this year have not felt as satisfying as the losses have felt disappointing. Well, no, and that's the thing. I mean, I, when you look at that lineup and you tell me you have Arise, Correa, Buxton, Polanco, and you're going to be shut out 12 times, and I don't know they're all in there. They're all shutouts. But it's like this lineup should not be right. this up and down. And, you know, Kepler giving you nothing hurts, you know. Um, so, no, it, I, I, you're 100% right, like, they've had so many excruciating losses that just leave you you're like, God, you know, just infuriating that I think it's kind of just um, cast a pall over this whole season where the fan base is just angry with this team and frustrated. You know, it's it, it, uh, again, I go back to even when they were winning, it felt like, um, I don't know if you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop, but it, you, you kept, you had this feeling like, uh, Something about this team just feels off. Yeah. Whether it's the pitching, the bullpen, whatever. And now you had this the struggles of the lineup, and it's um, we'll see how they navigate it. But they, you know, they've surprised us before. But yes, you, I, I do agree that you feel like this is they're running out of steam right now. Well, at least they got us to the Nick Mullins era. Um, oh yeah, chip. they got us almost to end of training camp. That's got us the end of training camp. <laughs> um, you know, it, I th- I feel like. The, tr- the Vikings trade for Nick Mullins on Monday, a conditional seventh round pick. So you see the, you know, how, how low of yeah. a leverage move it is, but just, just the fact that they did that and that it generated so much chatter. I mean, quarterback's going to generate chatter no matter what, sure. but shows just how bad the backup quarterback situation was before they made the move. Cause we saw nothing from Sean Mannion, certainly. And outside of a second half glimpse of a few good throws from, from Kellen Mond in that, in that preseason game against the Raiders haven't seen much from him in camp either. Well, no. And, and, and anyone who's been out there to, to camp and watched, I mean, it, it was just painfully obvious they had to do something. I mean, neither one of those guys was a, was a, excuse me, a credible backup. And, and that's the thing. It's like, if they were banking on, Ah, Cousins ever gets hurt. He's always right. that's not a that's not a plan. No, <laughs> that's that's not a plan. Um, and it's great that he's been so durable, and and it hasn't been an issue that you had to worry about really. But uh, neither one of those guys was was uh, a credible plan B, and so you had to go out and 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 I think what what this Quasi and and O'Connell wanted to do was not predetermined before he sees guys in some in some. Uh, preseason games, right? Give them at least a chance there to show what they can do. And, and that that's great that Mond looked, you know, better in the second half of that or against the Raiders or whatever, but you're going against third teamers. You're not going right. to be in the NFL. I mean, that's, if you were to rely on him, you're not facing third teamers in a game, right? He's going to be going to get starters. So it's like, you have to be able to project. And he really struggled. I mean, he, he dropped a lot of snaps in, in camp and, he just seems so um, robotic and yes. not sure of himself. His decision making, you just would held on to the ball. It's, it's just you couldn't say that he was going to be your guy. And so, you know, um, is Mullins the answer if you had to play him? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can't hit sit here. I mean, he has NFL experience. Yeah, so he's, made, that's, he's that's, made 17 starts, I think. So it's a little bit yeah. more of a body of work, at least, than these other guys. Exactly. Um, so, but it's, uh, it, they definitely upgraded there. I just, you know, if you, if you said, you know, Nick Mullins has to play three games this year, are you going to feel comfortable? 
Probably not. I'd feel better yeah. though than I did when they oh, didn't sure. have Nick Mullins, sure. uh, which sure. again is a kind of a commentary on where they were. I'm curious to see what they do. We were talking about this at practice yesterday amongst some riders. Do you cut both Mannion and Mon? Do you try to put Mon on the practice squad for? I just, I mean, you don't want to have only two quarterbacks in your in your locker room. No, I think you need three, and you want one on your practice squad if you're only going to have two on the fifty three. Um, I think but, this is the I think this is the end of Mannion. I think he's I think he'll yeah, get cut, and they'll, yeah. and they'll try to they'll try to get Mond onto the practice squad. That that would might make sense, but you also might look and say, do you really think it's going to work here for him? I mean, do you think he's he can develop into what you know something a backup, a backup um, at least, yeah. Or do you just say, you know, what, we're going to try to find someone else to put on the practice squad and, and deal? So I'd be curious to see how they handle this next couple of weeks. But um, yeah, I mean, you got to get Mullins up to speed and get him, you know, get him going here. I, I, I'd be curious to see. Probably too soon to try to play this week, right? I don't know. I mean, yeah, they got the preseason game, then it's two weeks, and then they play the regular season. And I'm, yeah, I don't know what they'll do right away. I'm just just get him acclimated, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if he'd play this weekend, but you got you. The good thing is you have a couple of weeks to get him in practice and get him acclimated to to the system. So, yeah. It, last thing, I mean, it feels like um, obviously the preseason doesn't matter. Losing seventeen to seven to the 49ers doesn't matter. You, you're gonna reset yeah. at the start of the year. None of the starters are really playing. That said, I'm a little concerned about some depth in in this organization right now, and we probably had those concerns going into camp. This is still a roster that's got a lot of haves and have nots on it, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it still kind of seems like the plan is don't get hurt because yeah. <laughs> what you see in the preseason doesn't make you think they've got a lot of uh, doesn't make you think they've got a lot to offer. If their backups are playing against other teams' backups and they're zero two right now, that does not give me a lot of confidence if if certain <clears> guys go out. Yeah, and that was the, uh, if you remember, this time last year, uh, Suhan asked Mike Zimmer, how you feel about your depth? And he's like, I'm concerned. This is a top-heavy roster, and it really hasn't changed. No. Right? I mean, you have um, undeniable stars with some big contracts uh, that eat up a lot of the, the salary cap, and so you're forced to rely on young players, and that's where they're at. I think you're going to see a lot of young first- and second-year guys be the primary backups. And so that's just because of where they're at with the, you know, their top tier players and how much money they're making, that's sort of what they have to do. Um, and so, you know, I, is it, is the depth better or worse than last year? I, I don't know. I, I do like some of these young guys they, they brought in. Sure. Um, some of the rookies, Asamoah, the linebacker, I think has a chance to be pretty good. Um, let's see the third round pick, second round pick from, but he, I think he, he's looked good and uh, some of the young cornerbacks, but they're young. They have, they're unproven. And that's the thing. So, um, I mean, every, every team's going to, I think, be nervous about their, their depth. Right. Um, that's, but as we've seen depth wins in the NFL, cause nobody stays healthy. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, that's, just yeah. The, that's the rule of thumb. You got depth wins and, and we all hate preseason games but you better find your depth in these preseason games because you're going to be forced to use them. Yeah. Well, at the very least, they need to stay relevant into late October when we can all shift our focus to the wolf. It's all, <laughs> it's all cyclical. Chip. We just gotta, That's right. We're just, we're just, uh, just building, give me to the next one, <laughs> building bridges to, uh, to the next, to, to the next hope. <laughs> all right, right, man. I appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week out at the fair. All right. All right, brother. Thanks, man. 
Good conversation with Chip Scoggins. And like we talked about, this kind of feels like a tipping point, right? They're three games back now. Byron Buxton on the injured list. Got a, a slate of tough games. They got Houston again here. They got some, you know, Giants, Red Sox. They're okay. Yankees, White Sox. Uh, this is not going to get any easier. They're going to have to play their best baseball over these last five or six weeks, and they have to do it without a lot of their best players. We'll see if they can hang in the race and make September still be meaningful. Chip and I talked about Nick Mullins. He met with the Twin Cities media on Tuesday after that trade from the Raiders. Um, didn't give us a whole lot. Uh, I was not out there, but a couple of my colleagues were out there. I think, uh, they had uh, it was uh, noted in the uh, in the Star Tribune story that uh, that Mullins offered up quite a few cliches. This is Mark Craig writing. Uh, For the record, Mullins said the word focus, focused, or focusing twelve times in the six minutes it took for his first interview session with the Twin Cities media. As for quote taking it one day at a time, he said that four times. We'll get a little snippet of what uh, what Mark was writing about right now. Well, let's hear from Nick Mullins. You just got to focus on the right things, and that's learning as much as I can, take coaching well, and connecting with new teammates, and uh, just focusing on one day at a time, and uh, that's really what I'm focused on. And again, he's just here as an insurance policy. The best case scenario for the Vikings is that he never sees the field this season, and that Kirk Cousins has a productive, healthy year, which has been the norm for him in his career. But Certainly working to shore up that backup quarterback situation that's been a mess, frankly, during training camp and the preseason. The plan wasn't great going in, but it feels like the plan is at least a little better now when you've got a guy who has started 17 NFL games and has a little bit more of a track record of maybe giving you a chance to win if something else happens to Kirk Cousins. Let's finish with the cooler. Like I said, I'll be out at the fair a few different times, including tomorrow, Thursday, Scheduled to talk with Wild General Manager Bill Guerin at 2.15 p.m. on the Star Tribune stage. Not long after that, I will be talking with Dan Winnesota. He was on the podcast a few weeks ago. His book, A Slapshot in Time, about the Minnesota Fighting Saints. We will be talking about that book at 3 p.m. on Thursday. Friday, two days from now, supposed to talk to Tim Connolly, Timberwolves' new general manager out at the fair. And then next Tuesday... Um, hoping to get on with Chip Scoggins and Patrick Royce at 11 a.m. to talk about their new book um, about Royce and his uh, life in sports writing. So some exciting stuff coming up at the fair. Hope you will meet me out there and uh, and enjoy uh, enjoy some good live conversations out there. I'll probably make some of those podcast features as well. I'm not sure if I'll make them part of regular episodes or bonus episodes, but we're planning to record those conversations out there at the fair as well. That will do it for me here today. Thanks for joining me again on Daily Delivery. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll be back at it again on Thursday.